and welcome to VLGA Connect. And we're in conversation today with Commissioner Sue Ann Hunter from the Uruk Justice Commission. And joining us for the conversation, Catherine Arndt from the VLGA. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Chris. How are you? Very well, thank you. The Uruk Justice Commission uh, was announced a few months ago by the state government. It's an historic royal commission uh, looking at uh, two streams of truth-telling with, uh, with relation to uh, the way Aboriginal people have suffered injustice over the years. Why is this an important topic for the VLGA, do you think? Look, I think um, one. Well, I think it's a very important topic for all all Victorians, and also um, as we'll hear from the commissioner, uh, there are other jurisdictions uh, looking with with great interest in the work of of this particular commission. From the VLGA's perspective, of course, the local government sector is closest to the community, and part of the work of this commission will be to consult with the community, um, both Aboriginal. Um, people in the community, but also non-Aboriginal people. Local government will have a role to play in um, potentially facilitating some of those conversations, but also connecting the work that it does with those members of the community that are First Nations people and Aboriginal Victorians. It also does and will inform the treaty making process that local government is very interested in, I guess, understanding more about. Um, as we know, we do uh, predict that, that the treaty making process will include the establishment of local treaties. So not just one statewide treaty. And that of course will have an impact for local governments. So very relevant indeed, Chris. Thank you for setting the scene so nicely there, Catherine. Let's bring in our guest, Commissioner Sue Ann Hunter. Welcome to VLGA Connect, Sue Ann Hunter, Commissioner from the Uruk Justice Commission. Sue Ann is a Wurundjeri and Nure Ilum Wadang woman. I hope I've done that justice, Sue Ann. Welcome to you the program. Have. You have. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me um, so we can get the word out about the Commission. Very good to have you here. And of course, Catherine is with us as well, uh, VLGA CEO. And I know Catherine is keen to ask you some questions about the work of the Commission. Just uh, set the scene for us, Sue Ann, firstly, if you don't mind. You've been up and running for a, a few months now? Since uh, May the 14th, it was uh, the Commissioners were announced, but there's been a lot of background work before that. So the First People's Assembly really lobbying for a Truth and Justice Commission. Um, that's never happened in Australia before. So it's it's really exciting that we have the very first one in Victoria. Um, and so we were appointed on the 14th of uh, May this year when we think all the commissioners met the day before. So there's five of us, five commissioners, three being uh, Victorian traditional owners. Uh, there's a, a, another Aboriginal woman, a Palawa woman who um, I'm happy to talk about names and stuff in a minute, but... Um, She's uh, from Tasmania and a former Supreme Court judge as well, who's not Aboriginal. So it's the first time a Royal Commission's actually been Aboriginal-led. So it's it's really exciting. Victoria certainly is leading the way, um, you know, firstly with the treaty legislation of uh, 2019, I think it was, um, if I've got that correct. And then, of course, the establishment of the First People's Assembly. We've had the pleasure of having um, Geraldine, one of the co-chairs of um, the First People's Assembly on our program previously. And it's a great pleasure, Sue Ann, to have you here today to hear all about the work of, of the Commission and what you hope to achieve. Yeah, great. Thank you. Like it, it, like I said before, it's um, 
it's timely and we've just started. COVID's been a bit impeding, but um, we are, are getting there. It's, um, it's going to be a long journey. I, it's a lot to fit in three years. So um, I'm happy to knock that out uh, and what this, this means for you all. Well, that, that would be really interesting as, as a starting point. Um, what is the timeline um, that we're looking at here? Yeah, so we have been given, so it, it runs off a letters patent as any other Royal Commission. So you've got these guidelines and deadlines that you must meet and there's things you, you must do within the Commission. So the timelines is, oh, so May the Commissions were announced. July 2021, um, the actual Commission begun. And then June 2022 is our interim report, which isn't that far away, really. And then June 2024, we deliver the final report. It sounds like a long time, but if we get back to our mandate, which is the letters patent, it's not a long time. No. Yeah. Now these these things they they look like there's a there's a long uh, tail to them, but it goes pretty quickly. Uh, so you're in that first phase, Sue Ann, of getting ready for your interim report next year. What does that look like in terms of the tasks in front of you? Well, the tasks in front of us, and I don't know if people know this about royal commissions, and I'm learning very quickly. Never sat on one myself. Is that we've got to set everything up, so we don't even come with premises. We don't come with. Uh, set up IT system we don't come with staff so uh, we've started to do all of uh, the background work and the setup work in between probably the commissioners have been in person for probably a total of two weeks uh, since mm. then which isn't long which mm. isn't a long time so we've had to get to know each other online which has been um, been pretty difficult so we've currently been uh, working on uh, one of the differences with this commission is community consultation. So we have to nut out what our sort of mandate is and put it in and bring it down to a community level of what people want and be able to incorporate that into a three-year royal commission about how we do and set that. So our work will be led by the community. And I think one of the things I always say is we are the facilitators of voice. So don't sees anything other than that. So at the heart is uh, the Yuruk telling, which is truth telling. So Yuruk is wamba wamba, a word for truth. So the Yuruk telling and justice is at the centre of all that we do. Um, and those stories will, will actually guide where our lines of inquiry will go and what we need um, to look at. So within the, the letters patent, we do have... Um, seven clear objectives, which I'm happy to unpack for you as well as I go along. Sure. And you um, were selected by an independent panel, uh, I recall reading. So you, the, the panel was clearly looking for a mix of knowledge and skills. Can you just talk about the different skill sets you and your fellow commissioners bring yeah. to the table? So there's five commissioners and um, Arnie Eleanor Burke, um, Professor Arnie Eleanor Burke, I should say, and, and I, I you have to throw in a commissioner now. So Commissioner Professor Arnie Wanorbeck, <laughs> I'm not sure which order that comes in. Um, she's, a, she's the chairperson of the um, commission and um, she's a Wamble Wamble woman and comes with, with years of experience in academia and um, a, a, amazing, even in the short time, I've learned a very lot of um, Arnie Eleanor. Um, then there's uh, Dr Wayne Atkinson, 
um, who previously did some um, truth-telling work with my dad a, a long time ago. My dad's since um, passed, but they took um, stories of um, the elders at the time. So it was the um, for the Melbourne Museum. So it sort of fits for me, which is which is which is lovely. I um, mean, he's a historian, academic, he, amazing, amazing man. Um, and then there's myself, um, and so my background is in social work, clinical, uh, family therapist. Um, worked in child and family welfare for the past uh, twenty years. Advocate of child's uh, rights. Lots of of, of community. Um, Activity. So we are the three traditional owners of Victoria that were appointed. Uh, then there is Professor Maggie Walter, or Distinguished Professor Maggie Walter, I should say. Um, what Maggie brings is something a Royal Commission has never had before, and that is around data sovereignty and how we collect data and how we keep it. And the more I sit in that space and learn around, we have to set up this whole computer system that allows for that, and it's different. Um, and in that space, if we liken it to uh, the Royal Commission around uh, the Bringing Them Home report, where people see everybody's stories, it's sort of open, you know, people can take what they want. This is a bit more, this is going to be a lot more secure in people owning their own stories and truths. And then the last person is the uh, Honourable um, Kevin Bell, who is a former Supreme Court judge who brings the legal expertise uh, to the commission um, and so much more. Um, so there is a lot of um, skill set and knowledge um, in different areas um, that we all have different points of view and it's great we can have these discussions about what we th think things might look like before we put them out for consultation. Certainly a distinguished um, group of commissioners and I congratulate all of you on, on your appointment. So, Sue Anne, tell us a little bit about that community consultation process and I know you've only just started to talk about what that might look like but be really useful to hear more about that. Well today just today I think we finalized our strategic priorities um, which I, I, I'm not going to put out there just yet but um, because it's a big mandate we do want to know what community would like to focus on uh, and what are uh, priorities in um the eyes of the community, because this is this is two hundred years in the making. This is the, the our our story, not just one or two individuals. This is the whole story of Victoria, like ours as a, as a state. And so we want to do justice um, to uh, understand what the priorities um, is for the community and how they would like to see uh, what sort of order things come in, or if we've missed anything. Or are they happy? So, um, yeah, and part of the uh, the letters patent um, has community consultation in that. We also received a report from the First Assembly, and so they did some consultations around what uh, people would like to see. So we've got that as a guiding light, and we've managed. We have put that into uh, sort of the strategic planning that we're doing at the moment. So will you see that um, the work that your commission does then leading into or informing the treaty-making process or are they standalone activities? I, I guess that's a really interesting question. Yeah, yeah. yeah it is. And people think we are uh, the Assembly. We're actually um, impartial from government or the Assembly. So we sit alone. 
What we, what some of our, we will be meeting with both though to inform them of, of where we're at and what's going on. Um, but the work we're doing will help inform a framework and a process for treaty so that by time we finish, this is the first time ever in a Royal Commission we'll have a, a, a treaty process running alongside. So when we finish, the treaty process will be able to implement these, assist in implementing these recommendations. Um, so also the recommendations aren't going to be hidden. We're going to, we want people's feedback on them. We want to know. So we don't want any hidden surprises. We want to be as transparent as possible. Um, and uh, we will be when we come around to that time, which I can't even think of yet. It's all so much to do. But when we do come to that, and there might be a few in between that we can, that we find early and we put in the interim report to government as well. So, Anne, um, what struck me in reading about how this commission's been set up is there's two broad streams of work is how it's been described, the contemporary and the historical. How much of a challenge is it going to be to, to separate those or will you indeed try to, to separate them? Because there must be crossover. There will be a crossover and I think this is the challenge. Do you do the commission on a timeline or do you do it thematically? Everything connects. And part of the piece that we have is the establishment of official public record. And so how we establish that record will link everything. Um, they aren't separate. They're, they run into each other and the ongoing injustices are same but look different. And so we will unpack what that means and, and what that what that looks like. Um, so it's it's long time. So it starts in the, the letters patent say 1788 to contemporary. I guess we have to draw a line at where contemporary starts, uh, which we're discussing at the moment, uh, to where history is. Because you have to you have to draw a line. And I don't know if there is any theory behind where you draw that line or what that means, but um, there will be a line drawn, but it doesn't mean that they won't overlap. Quite a, a mammoth task that the Commission has. Yeah, yeah. And look, the enormity of it and the responsibility of it is not lost on us in any way, shape or form. I feel like I'm living at my Zoom computer at the moment. and, and, and But these, um, oh, it's just amazing to be able to have these rich, full discussions with people without having to filter anything or... You know, we want truth coming forward. We want, we want, you know, the bare bones of it. And people have been, um, you know, I think we're setting the tone in the commission that we can have these discussions without people uh, feeling guilty or people feeling sad because let's remember it's not just the trauma, it's the resilience of our people. It's mm -hmm. the survival. And there's rich stories in there that we can um, uh, take back as well. So there's both sides, yeah. I wondered about that aspect of it because I've, I've heard it described a couple of times as it's going to be confrontational for, for people. Um, how much of your thinking so far has been how you manage that aspect of the material that you're going to be dealing with? Yeah, so my background really is in trauma. So I've done a lot of training here and overseas on, um, on trauma and uh, healing um, as well. So that social emotional wellbeing space is really, really critical. And I think we've done maybe six um, so far uh, Zoom meetings with traditional owners. And that's one of, been one of the biggest questions, how we're going to support people. 
we have our social emotional wellbeing directive that starts next week, yay. And so we'll be mapping and nutting out. The one thing that I'm very clear on is we have before, during and after around that social emotional wellbeing space for not only staff, uh, not only people that come forward and community, but staff or anybody that interacts with the commission. And um, there, there is gonna be stories, horrific, sad stories. Um, and we need to make sure that everybody uh, is in a space that um, they're able to process um, and take on board because how do you analyze all this data? And it's data really, uh, the stories are our data if we wanna put it that way. Um, how do we analyze that if we're overcome with grief and sorrow? So we need to make sure that everybody's uh, looked after. So, Suzanne, um, mindful that our audience is primarily local government, how do you see, if at all, uh, local councils perhaps being a part of this or your work intersecting with what councils are doing on a daily basis? I think one of the things we have to remember in the Commission is that um, there may be notice to produce to some of the councils, so being prepared for that, um, mm -hmm. that there may be something in your area that's uncovered that we want to investigate further. Um, I think if they aren't already understanding the rich history that's in their areas. Uh, what does that mean? What does it look like? Um, do staff know the local history? Do they know, like looking that a little bit further and also being, you know, if, there, if there's stuff that's not right, how do you make that right within your own area? And what does that look like? Um, being inclusive of uh, our first peoples within that area and, you know, are there sites that need to be recognised and celebrated or are there sites within the area that we need to be aware of that, that aren't so great but still recognising that that happened within your area? That's about truth-telling as well. And it's not just up to us as Aboriginal and First Peoples to do that. If someone uncovers something, you know, we expect non-Aboriginal people to come forward with their stories as well. Um, maybe it might be about their people before them and what was happened on their land and you know they may still have artifacts or they may know of something on their farm or who knows but you know I think that's really brave if people can take the step before we get there. Indeed and, and look local government um, have been quite um, I guess proactive um, in this space for uh, you know more so than than other sectors and that's because they are the grassroots level of government and you know, uh, representing uh, multiple stakeholders in their community. Um, there is a Victorian Aboriginal Local Government Action um, Plan or um, strategy that's um, being finalised at the moment that does have particular responsibilities for, for local government. Um, one of the things I was pleased um, to hear about this morning, actually, in another um, meeting was the establishment of a, a Koori network. So it's a support network for all Aboriginal and First Nations employees of local government, because often there's only uh, one or two in the council. And so this is a group of all of those staff from across Victoria coming together in a culturally safe and sensitive um, network, which is being supported by, um, I can't think of the acronym of the department that's supporting that at the moment, but how important that is going back to your comments before about you know, well-being and, and safety um, and, you know, the important role that these staff will also have in this, but not only as an employee of the council, but also 
as as an as an Aboriginal person and member of that that community. I think that's a great um, initiative, and that's what we want people to make those initiatives them themselves. And I think that shows the goodwill. Um, one of the things I heard someone um, was telling me the other day within their wrap, they've actually put a section for truth telling. So how can they support truth telling within their own areas? And it's not um, it's not linked to the commission, but it is linked in the space of yep, yeah, that's what before we can do move forward. We need the truth telling um, and the justice to be able to move forward um, in that way. So I mm -hmm. thought that was a great initiative. That's a really good point, Sue Ann, and I'm not sure how many councils would have that truth-telling aspect in their reconciliation action plans. That's probably a bit of homework for us to do because it sounds like a logical next step, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does. And it's not until um, you really get into it that you think that you're like, hang on, that is the next step. And, and so, um, you know, you can do the work, some of that work for us. And so, you know, and, and bring it forward. You might uncover something that you want the commission to know. You know, this isn't a witch hunt. This is truth telling. And this is our Victoria together. And how do we move forward if we can't tell the truth and find justice? So. Indeed. And um, I think, Chris, you're, you're right. That is something um, that our members can take away and, and have a look at as a really positive, proactive step and, and a simple step because, as you say, Sue Ann, this isn't um, meant to be overwhelming and complex. It's about people working together, um, you know, to tell the story. The VLGA, um, with together with Reconciliation Victoria, have been running an annual program called the Helping Achieve Reconciliation Together Awards Program um, since about 2014, I think it is. And those awards are, are recognising initiatives such as the, the RAP example you've just provided that local community groups and also local governments are putting in place to um, progress reconciliation. And there's been some wonderful stories that have come through from the nominations um, that we receive from in those um, award process, but also the winners. So there could be some some useful information and data too, um, yeah. you know, from our historical archives in regard to that. Yeah, and we're, we're going to have to look at all those historical archives across the board. And um, I think one of the things is we can't go back there. So we'll need all that that those stories previously heard and told and um, you know the work of our ancestors that have done all this to get us here their work will come into play um, as well uh, and unless we lay it out there on the table for all of us to say there is no moving there is no moving forward mm. you know yeah it's going to be hard and it's going to hurt but that's then then you can move forward Joanne, perhaps one last question. Um, we've mentioned a couple of times today how Victoria is leading the way with this process. Do you get a sense that other jurisdictions in Australia are watching this to see how it plays out and uh, that there might be others follow Victoria's lead? Yeah, so some other states have uh, are underway with treaty processes. I think truth-telling is a big discussion point at the moment. I know not only are the other states watching, can I just say the world is watching? And so uh, this is the first time in a Truth and Justice Commission that's been so broad. Now, if we look at Canada, they had uh, cultural genocide. We actually just have genocide. So it's big. Um, 
And we're looking at making structural reforms. It says it in our letters paint and we can make reforms too. So we are going to leave no stone unturned. We're looking at all these structures and systems that continue to oppress. And we'll come out with um, hopefully, uh, and I shouldn't say hopefully, we will. We will come out with recommendations because I'll be, we will be putting those recommendations out to, to try and test to make sure that we get this right. Um, and it's it's huge. It's the eyes of the world are watching. So I've been someone from Colombia uh, has has contacted me, and someone from Norway, and so it's there's there's lots of people around the world watching um, how Victoria goes. And I think I think we can do this justice. The responsibility is is immense, but but also exciting and hopeful. And from the VLGA's perspective, um, this platform that you've kindly joined us on today is open to you and the other commissioners at any time you'd like to share, um, you know, any story or, or consult with our, our members through, you know, particularly the local government sector, we'd be more than happy to facilitate that. Yeah, that would be great. We need partnerships along the way. We can't, there's, we can't do this all alone. And we're really clear of that. And we will be making partnerships along the way. So maybe this is one, one platform that we can um, pop on and let people know where we're at, what we're doing, or maybe even some things, some, you know, things that people can do in, in their areas. Indeed. Fabulous. Look forward to keeping the discussion going, Sue Ann. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you so much um, for having me. And um, yeah, yeah, we'll definitely be back and, and watch this space as we start to move along. Thanks, Commissioner. Thank you. Well, that's been a pretty wide-ranging discussion there, Catherine. It's probably a bit more broad than uh, than I thought. So much to unpack, uh, but a really important conversation to have. Really important, Chris, and I think it's just the first of many more conversations and the VLGA looks forward to perhaps being able to support and facilitate some of those. Thanks for joining me for that very special edition today. We have more joint conversations coming your way very soon from VLGA Connect. Stay tuned. And we'll see you again soon.